journey. It's time to talk with Liz and Peter. Good morning, my dark day. You used to say good morning, my love. Good morning, my love. Good morning. Maybe we should take this time to explain your nickname. Some people might think it's kind of racial, kind of race play. Okay, fine. Kind of racist. I was I was hoping to avoid this moment. This in moment all honesty. of racial inequality. No, this moment of explaining ourselves. Yeah, Peter calls me Dark Bay, and will you proceed to explain? So we, I can't remember. Oh, it was a uh, we were watching uh, somebody play Dark Souls a while back, which is a video game that's like really difficult. And uh, it's also a video game that allows you to name your character whatever you want. And there was somebody there named Dark Bay. And I took that to mean like, like, Bay of the Night. Like, you know, like an evil bay. bay. Like an evil bay, because that would totally make sense. And so then Liz was there, and I was like, oh, yeah, you're Dark Bay. No, I said, I'm Dark Bay. Oh, you you named yourself. Uh, See, this is why we need to have these conversations. I named myself because I liked it. Mm-hmm. I liked, I liked that I was black, and I think it's like evil and witchy and awesome, and I wanted to be. I don't know. I just loved it, so I was like, I'm Dark Bay, and then I like made a joke, and I was like, You're Light Bay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so you're still in my phone as Light Bay. You're still in my phone as Dark Bay, but it's like Dark Bay, and then there's like uh like a, a emoji of a black girl with the hand up, like she's like, What the fuck. And then there's uh, two cats and then some hearts. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. Dark you bay, just have dark... like a, a kitty with hard eyes and a heart. Oh, the kitty with hard eyes is a classic. You're a classic. Thank you. You're welcome. And I also wanted to add that when you call me Dark Bay, it's like second nature, very much our own understanding and inside joke. But one time we were at a barbecue restaurant and so Peter's white, I'm black. There was a black father and son sitting next to us, and Peter called me Dark Bay, and I saw that dad whipped his head around and, like, looked at us. Remember that? I do remember that. And I was like, oh, yeah, when you call me this in public, people may not, people may think you're just calling me, like, Black Bay. <laughs> hey, Black Bay, come here. There's, there's something very antebellum South about that. Yeah, and so I don't know, I, I don't know how to, in public, explain that it's a self-selected consensual nickname that I've chosen, and... <laughs> To be redundant, yes, that I have chosen this self-selected nickname, but yeah, so here we are having to explain ourselves on this recording. Thanks, society. Thanks for not understanding us just the way that we are. Indeed. Indeed. I can't help that I have a heart of darkness. Yep. And it appealed. And then you're also a bae, and so, like, you know, these things just go together. They do. It helps that I'm black, though. Racism. Fucking everything up. Fucking everything. So. So. Okay, so today I had kind of a, like an amorphous, well not really amorphous, but like kind of a, an unstructured topic. I just wanted to talk about motivation broadly, because both of us are kind of in the middle of some shit, like, <laughs> <laughs> to put it lightly. Yeah. You're a year plus into a grad school program for marriage family therapy, and I am constantly trying to like, do things for clients and get more clients and think of other streams of income and like, do I just cut it off and get a job of some sort and that whole sort of thing, which is kind of rough in the time of COVID because half the shit that I would want to do involves possibly getting COVID. So that's great. 
Yeah, Peter works for himself from home. Doing marketing stuff. So if you need a marketing bitch, I know one. <laughs> Anywho, so yeah, motivation. We both got a bunch of shit going on. I just listed it off. I just want to ask you broadly, what are some things that you do to stay motivated? Things that you think, mantras, maybe you leave some notes around the house. Maybe you drink a certain type of celery juice every day. I don't know. What? I don't know. Hey, celery juice is having its its moment. Is right it now. really? Well, it was having its moment like last year, but yes. <laughs> so was turmeric. Probably together. Probably. So yeah, um, motivation. What do you do? It's funny that you selected this topic for today. I'm wondering if you did so in- intentionally because I feel like I've very recently felt a shift in motivation where maybe it's the first couple days of this week, Monday and Tuesday. I had I had drained my barrel dry. I had no motivation. I was questioning whether I could remain in my program because of my lack of motivation. I felt really dried up and just burnt out and really just apathetic towards the things I normally care about. It didn't quite feel like depression. I know sometimes apathy can look like depression. It didn't quite feel like that, but it also didn't quite feel healthy either. That was Monday and Tuesday. And on Wednesday, I kind of got this jolt of renewed sense of purpose and sense of self, to be honest. More self-confidence, more sense of competence. And, hey, I can finish off this program this next 11, 10, 11 months. I've got this. Those are the types of thoughts I'm starting to have the last couple days. Were you aware of that or or did you pick the topic for a different? Didn't even think about that. No, I just picked it. Have you experienced any shifts in motivation lately? Yeah, for sure. Just in general, I feel like the last... 18 months, two years have basically, for me, been a big transition from having a mindset and living in a society where those two things together were causing me a lot of mental strain. And I've kind of done a ton of work between now and then to evolve and grow and change in my thinking, become more developed. And I'm better suited to deal with it now than I was before. And that could be a whole episode unto itself, but without getting into that too much, now it's more, what I'm having to tell myself is don't be ashamed or mad at yourself for wanting things. Setting goals and wanting things like being able to buy a house or whatever, just basic stability is not something that you have to be shameful over. Everybody's in this thing that we call capitalism and that requires you to either be subjugated by somebody or subjugate somebody somebody and while that sucks it's what we're doing and I used to be very well if it's not in my control I'm not going to worry about it but the weight of that on my psyche got to be too much and yeah so I guess that's a, a long way of saying yeah I have felt more motivated recently just because of a change in mindset also finding things that fall in line with my morals in terms of work the clients that I have now are really good the types of jobs that I'd be looking at to supplement my independent income they fall into that same moral trough but yeah mostly it's just thinking about like damn I really would like to own a place someday or if the cats get sick and need emergency vet attention then I wouldn't want to be put into debt because of that I'd like to just have the money there things like that because it's easy to live as a man when you're just by yourself and you're only accountable to yourself and you you don't have to support too many other people because it's not like I wasn't ever randomly paying my parents' mortgage out of nowhere for years and years and years before this. But yeah, I've totally been feeling much more motivated lately, just naturally. Can I turn your initial question back on to you? Sure. 
you said you've been feeling more motivated lately just naturally. You've mm-hmm. attributed thus far to a shift in psyche and perspective, almost mm-hmm. reframing your perception of, of how you exist in the world. Mm-hmm. Is there My anything experience. else you attribute it to? Yeah, once I get into the groove, not letting myself be distracted. So I recently downloaded, or I guess re-downloaded, I've done this a few times when I've needed to be really high performing. I downloaded an app onto my browser and onto my phone that work in tandem to block websites that I tend to fall into rabbit holes. So mainly Facebook and like other social media stuff. I, You know me, I love to argue with people on the internet and sometimes that can take up way too much time. And it's in the end just completely useless in terms of resources allocation. So that's been one thing is to not let myself lose attention once I get going. And just as important as not losing the attention is doing things to actively keep it. So white noise has always been something that I've associated with doing work. I don't listen to white noise in my spare time for no reason. So it's kind of got a psychological switch that hearing white noise turns on Mm -hmm. when I hear it, especially there's this oscillating speech blocking one that kind of sounds like crowd conversation, but it's all just white noise sounds generated. Mm-hmm. And especially when I hear that, it reminds me of what I used to do. Like, I used to do a lot of work in public. So I'd hear that muffled, sort of oscillating, white, noisy kind of sound. And that even more so puts me in that college mindset, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, those two things. And what else? Trying to not break my day into a bunch of parts. Once I get into the swing of working, I just try to not stop until it's hours later. Mm-hmm. I think the most successful day that we've had recently was that day where I got started at like nine, ten o'clock in the morning and then binged until about seven o'clock and then cooked dinner. Mm-hmm. That was probably the most productive day I'd had in a good long while. Mm-hmm. And I didn't break it up once. I didn't allow the train to stop because once you stop, you then have to build all that stuff back up again. And the way that I build it up in the beginning is I always try to start with something small and regular. And then I always try to build it up by doing other small and regular things. And then we do small and irregular. I also had that rule where if something takes less than five minutes, just do it, Mm -hmm. you know. And then we move on to medium-sized things and so on and so forth. And the way that I keep track of all those things without devoting too much mental time to it is that I use a project management software to run my life, basically. So any goals that I have, any projects I need to do, any chores, stuff like that ideas of stuff that I want to watch later goes on to this project management software called Trello. T-R-E-L-L-O. T-R-E-L-L-O. Product placement. Give us money, motherfuckers. Yeah. So let's see. All those things. Is there anything else that I do? Oh, I try to set a reminder at least once a week to kind of review what I'm doing and how I'm living just to make sure that it's doing what I want it to do, you know, my life. And that's on Google Calendar. And other than that, off the top of my head, those are the main things that I do to stay motivated or to get motivated rather. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And for me, part of my shift in motivation has been routines. Mm-hmm. I find them incredibly useful. For me, it is not natural to have a routine. It is something I've developed as a tool to succeed in our society mm-hmm. that demands so much of us mm-hmm. each week. And having a routine takes so much thought out of things for me. When I fall out of my routine, I do not get things done. Laundry doesn't get done, dishes don't get done, homework doesn't get done, work oftentimes falls to the wayside because I make my own schedule at work as well. So having a routine for me means waking up around the same time, recording, 
unloading the dishwasher, making coffee, checking my emails first really early. And doing those things in the morning kind of sets my day up and allows me to have more motivation to get, it's like doing smaller things in the morning that are, I don't have to use my brain to do, but it sets me up. I've already done something small. Let me, like you said, move Mm -hmm. on to something medium size and then something bigger. It's it's like you're making a snowball and you can't just start with armfuls of snow. You got to start with a little, a handful and then you add another handful and then you add another handful and then eventually you get it big enough to where you can roll it around on the ground and then eventually you get that thing big enough to where you can't possibly pick it up anymore totally and also for myself with my mental health journey i i rely a lot on my psychiatric medication to help me with motivation so i take a mood stabilizer and an antidepressant and when my meds are not balanced there's nothing external I can do or psychological I can do to help with my motivation. If my meds are not balanced, there is no motivation. My brain chemistry is off. I can feel it. I do not feel like myself. No amount of self-talk can help me. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think a lot of people don't understand why that is. Basically, you're filtering everything that you're experiencing then your reaction to it Mm -hmm. through the filter of your brain chemistry so if your brain chemistry is off literally your whole perception of reality is going to be off that much it's really wild i mean you've seen me right you've seen the difference between when i'm feeling stable and when i'm not and it's kind of like two different people Mm -hmm. when i am not stable i don't have motivation to get out of my pajamas and i could sit on the couch or lay in bed for, I mean, all day. You've seen that. Happily laying in bed all day. Having zero desire to do anything else. And having things to do, but not caring to do them. And it's not even like, oh, I'm a little anxious because I should do that. It's like, I don't, I couldn't give less of a shit about the things I need to do. That's when I know that something's off. My perceptions are a little bit distorted right now. But when I'm feeling more like myself, which my medication allows me to do, I do care about the things I care about. And even if I'm having a lazy day, I still, in the back of my mind, care. To some degree, I care mm-hmm. about the things I'm passionate about. And I think that's really the difference. For At least that's how I perceive the difference. It's just so helpful to me when my medications are correct. And finding, for me, finding the right nurse practitioner. I see a nurse practitioner rather than a psychiatrist. But finding her was key to unlocking my mental health and having it continue to facilitate my growth and allow me to pursue my goals and of finishing grad school. So that's actually really key to my motivation as well. And I find that when I've got my routine down, or most days, if I generally stick to it and take my medication that is well-balanced, I take that regularly, then I tend to eat better. I tend to want to go for walks to work out. I tend to want to do other things. It's kind of like taking care of your body takes care of your mind in a lot of ways. So yeah, I don't know if we've, between the two of us, unlocked the secret of motivation. It sounds like it's really subjective and really personal. No, I wasn't trying to do that because that is a huge thing. I'm just trying to give people more examples of real life folks who are doing the damn thing. A big part of why I wanted to talk about this is because I know that this whole thing that we're doing is not natural. The whole expectation of working 40 hours a week and then also having a clean house and cooking all your meals and having time for leisure activities and having time for your family and having time for your friends and keeping up all those social relationships and all those things. That's just kind of unrealistic. I don't know anybody who actually does all of those things well without either paying to offload some of that labor or feeling like they're running completely ragged trying to do all of it. 
Totally. It doesn't make any sense to me. I feel like it's this whole thing is predicated on what a white man in the 1950s is supposed to be able to do. He is supposed to be able to work 40 hours a week, and then on the weekends he does some honey-do list project. But that's because his wife is staying home doing untold amounts of emotional labor. Or not emotional labor, just all kinds of labor. Domestic labor. Yes, domestic, domestic and emotional labor. Yeah. Wow, that was, that was in a way a Freudian slip, kind of, I guess. But yeah, if you don't got somebody at home doing your cooking, doing your cleaning, running your errands, managing your household. Taking uh, care of your children and managing your social relationships for you. Right, yeah. That shit is insane if you don't have somebody who's basically just a, a slave doing all that shit for you. And with both of us trying to do all these things ourselves, if we ever feel overwhelmed, that's normal. Trying to do the whole rigmarole, keeping up with the Joneses, Mad Men-esque, you know, Don Draper shit, yeah. That shit's not natural. That's that's not that's not the way life actually is. And I know this doesn't pertain to everyone, but for some adult learners like me, I'm 30 years old in grad school. It's it's not quite the same as working 40 hours, but what you describe that 1950s lifestyle now now so typically applies to like men and women. Mm -hmm. And so like you're both working full time and you're both trying to really divide all of the other duties as well. And it's rarely equal. Usually there's someone taking the brunt of the emotional labor or the social managing social relationships mm -hmm. or the household chores, whichever partner it is in the relationship. But f at least for me as an adult learner, I'm trying to juggle two different internship sites that I'm seeing clients at. I have a part time job at my university. I'm also a, still a student who attends class each week and has assignments and reading assignments to do. And I'm also trying to manage my mental health and be a person and have my social relationships with friends who would like to see me that don't always understand how packed my schedule is as a grad student. So that's five different things I'm trying to juggle. And honestly, hearing you talk, Peter, makes me feel better because it's a reminder that it's okay for me to shut down sometimes or burn out or feel like I can't do it because this isn't natural. And in some ways for me, grad school has been harder than working full time because it follows you home and it's mm -hmm. constant and there's always something that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And it's like this constant pull on your attention and you can't do anything well. And I know for so many people, I'm going to speak to this because I know it applies to so many people, perfectionism or wanting to do your best so that others think favorably of you or are proud of you, whether it's an employer or, you know, getting praise at work or doing well at school for me or doing well at your passion. When you're stretched really thin, like I am trying to do five different roles, I can't do any of them well. And it's making me feel like I can't do any of them at all because it feels like do them well or bust. That's what my brain wants to tell me. And when I see myself faltering and doing some things at 60%, or even 50% because I don't have the energy, it makes me feel like I'm failing. And then it makes me question my competence in all five areas. So I'm really having to juggle or really renegotiate in my mind my relationship with performance, mm -hmm. productivity, and what it means to do something well. And showing myself that compassion in those moments when I don't have the energy to do something well. Mm -hmm. And just doing it good enough. What do you always say? Don't let... Don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Yes. And that's what I constantly do. And I know a lot of people struggle with that. Mm -hmm. And so just remembering that all of these demands on our time that society has imposed upon us are not natural. And it's okay if you're not able to juggle all these facets of your life and do them well. I think it's really important to prioritize what you value the most, whether it's the top one or two. And to be honest with yourself, 
For some people, it's work over their family relationships or over their friendships. Dolan, be realistic about your personal situation. Can you afford to not make work your primary thing? Totally. You like, know, if yeah. you're, if COVID's really fucking shit up for people right now. And a lot of people don't have, like, they used to have the luxury. They used to have the safety net. They used to have the buffer, the emergency fund, what have you. And now it's just, man, I got to survive. You know, I got to pay my bills or, or, you know, things are not going to be good. And that's been the reality for numerous working class people, even before the pandemic. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, being real with yourself about what you have to prioritize or what you choose to prioritize. And maybe for your family, chores are at the bottom of the list. But in that case, be aware of where it is on your priorities and don't beat yourself up if the dishes pile up most days. You can't do everything well. So decide what you want to do well and keep it manageable and everything else just show yourself grace and compassion is what I'm trying I'm preaching this but it doesn't mean I practice it I'm it's what I'm striving toward which is why I'm so sounding so passionate about it because it's something I, I desperately desperately need to work on for my own mental health yeah so I guess kind of to put a bow on it this world that we're living in is not ideal it's not even that great of a system but we have to live within it and to successfully live within it we have to be somewhat motivated to do things or just do them and whatever that looks like for you it's okay and if you ever don't do all the things that you need to do or want to do that's okay 